imagine your best day. You wake up in the morning, fully refreshed from eight hours of solid sleep. You didn't even get up to pee. You have a good attitude. You pick out different clothes to wear that day. People actually like you. You get along with people in your house. Your to-do list is like you're a ninja on a to-do list. You have energy, you're productive, you're creative. And you finish the day with a glass of wine and pizza or something as a reward. And you think, God, that was a great day. How many people had that day today? Come on, come on, give me warm. <laughs> Truthful, truthfully. Come on. Truthfully. We have two. My hands up. Can I lie? Give me three. All right. All right. All right. I, I had to come here. I didn't have time for wine and pizza. There you go. <laughs> Think about that best day. Our tagline is empowering people to live their best day every day. Think about what is involved in that. It's not by accident. There's lots of different factors that come into play with that in order for you to have a best day. What we're going to share with you tonight is an experience. It's not information. Information is, is useless unless you execute. So this is about execution, because execution is powerful. So tonight, I'm going to introduce this Dr. Mark Gomez from the hospital, and uh, Doc, and I'm Dr. Perry Kinesa. So uh, I just want to say I just want to say thank you everybody for coming out tonight. We know that you have had busy days with work. Those of you that are retired, I hope you had a very productive day, get caught up sleep. But we know that everybody's <laughs> taking their time to come out tonight, and I want to agree. It's all about action. You know, we can always talk about doing things, but a lot of times we just don't do it. So really what we're all about tonight is to say, we have this opportunity right now, in this exact moment, to make sure that we live to the fullest potential and have our best lives. And that's everything from just not only your health, but your families. And I always want to tell people this, when you think about your health, think about it in a broader perspective. Yes, your health is a foundation for everything that you do, but the reality is that your health is part of your life journey. And I want people to keep that in mind. Think about the things that are important to you, your purpose, why you're here, and again, with your medical team, and also your family and loved ones, you will get to those goals. But it takes effort. So again, what, I, what we're going to talk about today is we don't want anybody to have an inaction. Inaction, not good. Action, good. I tell this to my eight-year-old and my five-year-old. I say, hey, I want you guys to have the best day you can, but also at the same time being grateful. we got to have gratitude in what we do in our lives, and it's going to make everything much more fulfilling. So again, my name is Dr. Mark Gomez. I'm a board-certified internal medicine physician. I practice at Edward Hospital. I'm also CEO of my own company called MDG Wellness LLC, and I'm a podcast host of a weekly radio show called Tear Health with Dr. G. And so uh, I'm so excited to be here tonight to welcome everybody here. Before we dive into everything, and again, my good friend, Dr. Kamisa, I want everybody to do this for a moment. I want everybody, you know, we all drove here. I drove here. I came from clinics seeing patients. But I want to make sure that we all have a time to be in the moment. So, raise your hand if you meditated today. Does anybody meditate? Okay. All right. Okay. Well, we've got a couple people. But what I want to start up today with is we want to set the tone. We've been full of stress today. A lot of us worked. We cared for our loved ones. But we get to have that time. We always talk about having that few moments of time that we need every day. And so, what I want to do right now 
if you can, and I'll let you guys choose, if you want to sit and do this, we're going to lead, start things off with a mindfulness minute. And I tell this to my kids every day. So we're going to do a mindfulness minute. So if you're able to sit down, that's fine. If you're able to stand, however you want to be, that's fine. But what I want to do is I'm going to lead everybody through a mindful minute. So what I want you everybody to do, I want everybody to have their hands on their laps. Wait, wait, you're going to sit there. There are people that can stand. So come on, stand up. Alright, because again, it's really important about setting the tone because you only get this moment, and again, we're going to talk about your brain later, this is the moment that you have, you've been thinking about everything you've been doing all day long, let's do it right now, let's do that one minute of just breathing, setting your tone, and emerging with clarity, because that's what it really comes down to when we're talking about the brain in a few moments. It's about having some clarity. There's some amazing things. Your brain is your best organ, one of the most important organs. You can say, arguably, the, the most important organ in the body. And we have to make sure that we're doing things in the moment. So what I want everybody to do, if you can, I want everybody to you know, spread your feet, get comfortable, maybe shoulder width apart. Just let your body relax. If you want to close your eyes, you can. We don't want anybody falling. And I want everybody to just close your eyes. And at this moment, I want you to just breathe in through your nose, and exhale, and all that work energy, that stress energy, that driving energy gets out. Breathe in the fresh air, and let it out as your body gets a little more looser. Your muscles start to unwind a bit. Breathe in again, and let it out. All that negative energy out. Breathe in that positive energy like a wave, and let it out. We'll do a few more of these breaths at your convenience. Breathe in again. And exhale. Think of all the positive things that you're going to do. The amazing opportunities that are ahead. And really reaching your goals. Let it out. And we'll do one more breath in. Big breath in. And let it on out. Perfect. You can open your eyes. You may take a seat. Now, this works for my eight-year-old and my five-year-old, so hopefully it helps out with you. But just taking that moment to now allow your brain to be free, to be open to ideas, to be open to discussion, we're going to go ahead and start this presentation. So thank you very much. <laughs> Doc? So you want to go through the first slide? Absolutely. So um, that is just a picture of me on the left. Is that the Teresa? That's pretty what we're going to do today, we're going to talk about the brain, of course. That's why a lot of us chose to come in here. But you guys made the decision to come up today. What I want to do really quickly, though, I want to acknowledge my really good friend who's in the audience, my good friend, Dr. John Saran. And um, Dr. Saran, thank you for coming up today. Dr. Saran and, and even like Dr. Dr. Camisa, um, they are really innovators. They're not afraid to think outside the box. Of course, they want their patients to do the best that they can. But sometimes you have to be, be you have to continue to think differently. You have to create, and that's a part of the, the brain that I love about, the creating. When I started doing my radio show and podcasting, I knew I wanted to have a voice. I wanted to create something that's out there, something that we can have. A lot of us in this room, when we think about our life journey, we think about the things that are important to us, we think about even legacy. And so, but that's how some of us are wired. Not everybody's wired the same, but whatever your goals are, whatever your truth is, I want you to live out your truth to the maximum. So today we're going to talk about a little bit about the brain, obviously a lot about the brain. Uh, Learning objectives. I like doing this when I do my talks. Understand that the brain truly represents the energy system of the body. Learning the function of brain lobes and waves. Understanding stress theory and 
all of us are, when you see those slides, you guys will all relate to that stress theory and the impact of stress on the brain. We're going to discuss strategies to optimize brain performance. And lastly, again, feeling empowered to live your best life each and every day. Now, when I do my radio show, I always read a disclaimer. And so I'm going to read a disclaimer tonight because, again, today is us having an interaction. But, of course, we don't want these conversations to stop. We want to talk to your medical providers. Some of my patients are in the audience. Uh, for HIPAA reasons, I won't say who you are. But I thank you all for coming out today. So we're going to read a quick disclaimer. The content is what I read on the show. The content material for Dr. G is for informational and entertainment purposes only, and that the content is not intended for to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. For the details can be found at my website, www.tmdr.com. So disclaimer. All right. Brain is our our energy starts starts our, our energy life force. So look at the picture here. When you look at this picture, and we're kind of on a 3D angle here, but when you see that picture, what does that remind you of? So is it it's like emitting energy, right? It's like a star. And so we think about well, how do we how do we get the energy from our brain? control our body. So think about that. Like our brain controls every function in your body every day, every second, every moment you breathe. It's getting controlled by that brain. And so here's some statistics, 10,000 miles of nerves, traveling at 270 miles an hour. And here's a critical thing. So the brain is able to handle 40 million bytes per second of information. It's a big number. So think about consciously how much you think we're aware of, of how much, and uh, a percentage-wise, you think we're aware of 10% of that number of what's going on in our body? Anyone give me an idea? 10%? Right? Anyone really want to go on a limb? <laughs> no? 40. 40 bytes of information is our conscious brain. So that's what we run our life by is 40 bytes, and there's 40 million going on. We have no clue. We have no clue. So what I want to show you now is actually how the body works. Because understanding the brain is one component in how the brain is trying to control everything. So this is kind of hard to see. You've probably seen pictures like this at other places. It's a picture of the brain, the spinal cord, and organs. Who's seen a picture like this before? Somewhere, I'm, I'm sure you've seen them, right? And you're looking at that thinking, what is all that mumbo jumbo up there, right? But here's how it works. Oh, I, I walked too far from the camera, sorry. I'm Italian, I start to wander, right? So, uh, sorry, Doc. So, he's got me, and I should put a little circle here. So, um, Anyway, so the brain controls every function. It does so by sending energy. Energy down the spinal cord to all those tissues and organs in the body. It does so by sending that energy through those nerves to every tissue and organ. So every tissue and organ is totally dependent on that energy to be healthy and well. So think about that for a second. Every tissue is totally dependent on its daily requirement of energy to be healthy. We're only aware of 40 out of 40 million. 
We have no clue what's happening in this system. Right? So how does that system, in a perfect world, perfect brain, perfect spine, we are perfectly healthy and having a great day every day. But that's not the case. Right? We have falls, we have traumas, we have different things that affect. So here's what happens. Oh, so let me uh, go back a few here. So when we talk about traumas, we talk about falls and slips and down the stairs, out of a tree. We've heard every possible trauma you can think of. Off a two-story balcony and surviving, helicopter crashes, all kinds of stuff. Every time that your body goes through a stress, those vertebrae, those bones shift. And that shifting causes stress on the spinal cord. That stress on the spinal cord is like it blocks the energy. So it's like a dimmer switch. The energy cannot get through from the brain down the spinal cord through the nerves. It can't get through because the vertebrae shifted. Do you understand that? So in a perfect world, perfect spine, perfect brain, those organs are healthy. If there's a shift in that vertebrae, those organs are starving for energy. So what happens, over a course of time, those organs weaken and lead to disease. The only time we know about it, in order to make that 40, is when the crisis alarm goes off. I got pain in my tummy. And sometimes there is no pain. There is no alarm going off. Someone comes in and they're full of cancer or different things. Right? We've, we know people like that. So, what happens is when that spine is subluxated, when that spine is shifted out of place, it weakens the rest of our spine and distorts our posture. So, one of the things that we do is we want to check posture because that energy has to flow through that spine. The energy has to flow through that spine, through that spinal cord, to all the different tissues and organs of our body. Perfect spine, perfect posture, perfect health. Do you understand that? So how critical. So think about what happens to your body as the day wears on. Your posture, you think it gets better or worse? What do you think your energy goes, up or down? Ha, huh, how about that? That's not a coincidence, right? So think about when you have energy, right? John Maxwell said, he's a, a motivational speaker, so there's two kinds of people in the world. He calls them elevator people. People that bring you up, and people that bring you down. What does that really mean? People, when you're around people, are you giving them energy, right? Or are they sucking the life out of you, right? You know who you are, you know those people. They just drain you because they're sick on the inside. They don't have enough energy to give. Does that make sense? We want a best day every day. How do we get that energy back? Does that make sense? Go on. Uh, I was gonna say that, you know, think about this. <clears throat> We've all, who's ever had a pinched neck or a pinched nerve or herniated disc? I mean, these are common things. And what happens to those tissues that are affected downstream from that disc? They don't work too well. There's a reason behind that. 
So we're talking about your spine, of course, the energy flow. You might have weakness, you might have fatigue, you might have loss of mobility, range of motion, things like that. You see Doc in his practice. Or maybe you go at the other end of the extreme. You've seen your medical doctors, you may have to get surgery. And that's the reality of it all. But we're trying to say, okay, how can we become resilient still in the face of this and still give that energy? And it's interesting, when Doc was talking about, we all know those people that either bring you up or bring you down, you know, I think about my family reunions, and everybody finds out, I remember when I first became a doctor, at every family reunion I went to, you know, you're trying to eat some food, and somebody said, oh, you're the doctor, you're the doctor, you're the doctor. Let me ask you these questions, let me ask you these questions. <laughs> and, you know, it takes away, so then you have a line of family members that would ask you questions. But you always had that one family where we all can think of somebody that, you know, they dealt with a lot of different health challenges, and, but they try their hardest to give you that energy back, and you want to give it back a thousand percent. And sometimes it works, and sometimes it doesn't. Or think about your coworkers that may bring you down a bit. You know, you go to work every day and you think about, oh my gosh, I can't believe I'm in this environment. I'm not gonna have a good day at all. Well, you know, that's a lot of that's reality for a lot of us. And so again, how do we continue to do things the right way? Um, or somebody's had some sadness in your family, <laughs> sadness in your life, or things like that. We also talk about how do we pick ourselves up, and it does take a community. The old saying, it takes a village. But again, the people that surround us. So that when we're talking about your brain, your brain has so much impact on so many things, not just the musculoskeletal, not just your major organs, but also your emotions, the mental aspect of things, and the opportunity. And I really do believe that it takes a mindset, and I talk to a patient all the time, it really takes a mindset, but we're gonna get you through these things together. You know, we want people to, again, as I said in the beginning, to have the broader life journey. Your health is part of that, but everybody's got their story to tell. And so we do it a lot for our brain. I just want to cover one, I actually want to go back and cover one thing here. So it shows right here, sleep regeneration. So we talk, we're going to talk a little bit more about that in, in, a, in a little bit. But from the time you get up to the time you go to bed, your body's actively doing stuff, right? You're creating, you're doing your jobs, you're doing your living your life. The time you get to bed to the time you get up in the morning is the most important part of your day because that's when your brain recharges. You've all had your phone, you thought it was plugged in, and then you go to use your phone, it's like, crap, I got 7%, right? That's your brain when you don't sleep because when you sleep, your immune system boosts, your tissues heal. And you can't heal the outside injuries that you have, shoulders, neck, back, whatever it may be, if the inside doesn't have enough energy to control all that. Does that make sense? Right? Okay. So, I think we're going to go through... Is it going to do that? You're good? I was going to say, we'll, we'll, we'll get to some people. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So, uh, brain rolls. We all have them, right? So... Um, this is a very colorful little diagram here. Frontal lobe, that's our, that's our executive part of our brain that does most of the uh, work every day. Exercise is one of the things that affects and improves that frontal lobe area. The parietal lobe is knowing right from left and knowing if I'm doing different tests on you, that's your parietal lobe, right? Uh, the back of the brain here, and I'm going to talk, I'll give you one example here. Occipital lobe is our vision. I'll come back to that in a second. 
temporal lobe is, this is one of the main areas that gets traumatized in any kind of trauma. Because think what happens, you have a water-filled balloon, which is the brain, inside your skull, which is like a Home Depot bucket. And every time you get jolted, you, if you had a go cam inside that bucket, what do you think is happening to that water balloon inside there? Yeah, sloshing around, right? Those temporal lobes, when we do a brain map on someone, they always show if there's trauma to the brain, we can see it right here. So, the occipital lobe here, one of the things, vision. We look at people that have memory issues. The reason some people have memory issues is because the brain can't see what they're reading. They have to read paragraphs time and time again. Their comprehension is low. Because what happens is that it's not that you can't see with your eyes. You're reading that piece of paper, but when you read that piece of paper, it gets forecast to the occipital lobe through the visual cortex, and your brain doesn't know what to do with this. So it gets rid of it. It's like, I don't remember anything. So if, you can't, if your brain can't see, you can't remember it. So I'm just trying to give some different analogies, different functions. But uh, we'll cover, cover that. I'm going to add to that, not only that, but also when you're looking inside the temporal lobe, uh, when you're looking at memory, and there's a couple other organs that are in there, a couple of big players. And I'll point them out a little bit, but anybody ever heard of you know, your hippocampus, amygdala? These are some big organs. Well, they were tiny, of course, our brains are small. But these are organs that are so powerful that if something happens instantly, think about when you're stressed out. You can't remember, you're, you're just doing something like, oh my gosh, I can't remember, I've got this, you're running all over the place. That's your hippocampus. You know, cortisol levels, when you have your stress hormone, they adversely affect that part of the brain. And then your ability to recall or retain information goes down. And so we want to make sure that we maximize what we're doing. And when we get into some of the things about brain mapping, we're looking at some of the science that's out there to see if we can help to augment some of those things. But before you can even get into any kind of mapping or anything like that, you have to make sure your foundation is good. So when we talk about things like your nutrition, your exercise, your sleep, your stress management, even the power of connection with people that are important in your lives, you'll see that effect absolutely on the brain. And we want to certainly help to augment the parts of the brain that can help out in those kind of daily functions. And of course, any parts of the brain that are sending some sort of inhibitory signals that take away from vital function, we want to turn those off. So we're just going to go through briefly, and maybe people have heard of different brain waves and the different types. So we have, we're familiar with, and so this is a learning science. So the bottom one here and the top one were only discovered in the early 90s. So, and they discovered those from Tibetan monks. They're the master of meditating in the world. No one meditates like that. And so we have our delta wave that we think of that as our sleep, right? And so that's when it's a uh, that's when we need to repair our immune system, boost up healing tissues. That's when the energy tanks get filled up is during that delta sleep. There's no dreaming in that. The dreaming happens in here. Uh, where's my thing here? In the, in the theta waves here. So that's when we have our REM sleep. That's when we have our our theta, when someone meditates, we're into that zone right here. Alpha waves is our, that's our, our creative side. 
that's our conscious brain. The beta waves here are, that's what's, produ that's what's uh, producing all of our tasks during the daytime is their, their beta waves. And as we get to the higher waves here, these were discovered, like I said, in the early 90s. And the funny thing is, so when we look at these waves, there's, it's called hertz. So hertz is so many times per second, right? So if it was one hertz, it'd be one time per second. If it was 10, it'd be 10 per second, right? So the bigger the number, the faster that is, right? So delta waves are less than three hertz. They're big, this thing of ocean waves. They're big ocean waves, right? The faster they go, it's just like, like this, right? Fast, no short waves. But the, what they discovered in monks is that the fastest waves and the slowest waves talk to each other when they're in that state. And that blew the scientists away that, were just, that they discovered this. That's pretty amazing. And it's called suspended animation, where there's barely a perceivable heartbeat or respiration. That's how much control you can have with your body. That's why some of these people are documented to live 120 years, 150 years old. And when you get into this kind of science, there's people that have been uh, living a long time because the more they meditate, their bodies are healing. That's where the healing takes place. So, so that's the thing you're going to cover. So, stress comes down to a lot of things. And obviously, we're here today, we've gone through fought through traffic, we fought through screaming kids, we thought, fought through skipping lunch, we thought, fought through everything, the work that you still got to do, thinking about tomorrow. But the reality is that stress is everywhere. No one is immune. And when we think about the effect of the brain and also parts of the body, stress basically affects virtually every organ system that there is. So does life and sleep, by the way. Almost virtually every organ system is affected by that in some way, shape, or form. But in order to understand what we're going to be talking about, I wanted to do a quick video about stress and talk about stress theory, because I think it's important to acknowledge at least the work that's come before us, because this has been studied for a long time. Going back, some of the earliest studies go back to even the early 1900s on how the body responds when it comes to a stressful situation. Is that your staff member there? <laughs> <laughs> it might be my medical assistant. <laughs> Again, remember, stress is real or perceived. You don't have to be pulling out your hair to be doing that. You can just be busy, all of a sudden your boss dumps another chart on you, or things to do. All of a sudden, you, you, may, you may say, all right, well, I got this, sir, or ma'am, I got this. But internally, your body's going, you might notice that you start sweating a bit more. You might notice you, know, you get a little nervous sensation in your stomach. You might notice that your heart rate goes a little bit faster. You might feel like you might start twitching, you know, uh, your finger, twitching your finger or tapping your foot a little bit. Or you might feel like something's brewing up in you. That's stress. And we've all been there. And it's real. But remember the body, when we're talking about your brain, we're talking about your brain, four, you know, 40 bytes for us, but 40 million. Remember, you have your conscious brain. We're all sitting here right now talking about things, but realize that there's so many processes in your body going on right now that you have no conscious control over. We only have our conscious brain, but our unconscious aspects can have a big impact on our consciousness. So I'm going to give an analogy to a couple of the pioneers with stress management and stress theory. Uh, Dr. Hans Salih, Salih, Hungarian war researcher. And this is kind of small, but basically what happens, what happens to us when we see stress? 
there's an acute response. And then our acute response is say, all right, alarm, we mobilize resources. And then a lot of us, we try to respond in that kind of stress. So that's alarm, mobilizing resources is stage one. When we get to stage two, and your stress resistance starts getting tested a bit, we try to fight through it, and that's called resistance, you're coping. And so what we're seeing on the slide here um, is this curve right here. For a certain amount of time, your body's able to resist. And I'm not saying that stress is a bad thing, because I think stress involves a lot of creativity. You know, if you get some, some people are met with a stressor, they can respond very favorably. Um, but we're talking about unrelenting and unabated stress that can really lead to some serious challenges. So what happens at some point, your body mobilizes resources, you deal with the stressor, but then remember that your resources in your body are finite. They're not infinite. So as the stressor keeps going, over time we get to phase three, exhaustion. Reserves are depleted. And what happens at that last phase? That's when a lot of breakdown happens throughout the entire body. You start forgetting things. So would that be the same with metabolic stress? Any kind of stress. Any kind of stress. I mean, it's metabolic stress in the body, we found it down. But any kind of stress that I can sell, your relationships get tested. Maybe with your family or somebody, your friends, coworkers. Uh, your blood pressure starts going up. You start having bad digestion. Your neck tenses up, your back tenses up. You're feeling <coughs> tight. You can't sleep, you're tossing and turning. And the body's going through and it's saying, I'm trying to rescue you but I can't rescue you forever. So then we go down. And so they mapped this out in 1936. I thought it was interesting because I know people were stressed in 1936. And there's no difference that we're stressed right now. But even looking at this, you know, 80 plus years later, it's still relevant because we've all been there, how we respond to a stress. And then at some point we were depleted because we're not taking time to deal with that, acknowledge that. We may acknowledge it, but how do we deal with it? When we did that mindfulness minute, that was designed to help kind of cleanse and purify, and know that yes, we all have things that we're going to do later on tonight and tomorrow, but can we at least take one thing that's positive and apply that, because it might be a big domino effect in the right direction moving forward. So wait, Doc, so go back. So would this be similar to like the fight or flight response? <coughs> Absolutely. So why don't you explain? All right, so fight or flight response is when, uh, remember that from our old school, um, middle school or junior high health class, anybody? Remember those days? You learned about fight or flight. And then we also learned the opposite, it's called rest and digest. That fight or flight response, if a grizzly bear comes in this room, I guarantee we're all going to that back door by where Cindy's at right now. Some of us might try to break down this window. We might be able to do that if we have enough force in us. But your body sees a, sees a threat and you respond. You know, the pupils may dilate, the heart rate may go up, and all of a sudden your muscles tense up and then, then, and then you're gonna be able to respond. The opposite, where we wanna have our bodies in most of the time, is this rest and digest phase where you're able to heal and recover. And that's been known for a long time. When we heal and recover, we're so much more productive. We feel so much better. Our energy's better. When we're not in that state, then we are certainly wrought with problems. So how, how much of a day would you say most people are in that fight or flight response? Well, I'll tell you, for me personally, I'm probably in it 100% of the day, <laughs> except for that mindfulness moment that I had. I do something every morning, I do something called starfish. And some people are probably like, what? So I starfish in the morning. So what that is, and I learned this from a therapist that's in our practice. And so every morning, as I get on the, I get on the floor, because I can't do it in the bed, because I don't want to run into my wife or anything like that. But I lie on the floor, and I just open up like that. And I say a few things to myself to set the tone. I say, you know what? I'm here. I'm human. I'm going to do the best I can. Whatever comes at me, I'm going to accept it. I'm going to be resilient. 
and hopefully fight through. But I think you have to put yourself out to be vulnerable at times to then look downstream and know that you're going to succeed. And so that's what we call starfish. So you can do it in the morning, open up whether it's in your bed or on the floor like me, take a few moments to breathe, and then when you're ready to integrate yourself back into your day, you're really going to set the tone. Or even better yet, when you're driving to work, car karaoke. When was the last time somebody sang to the highest of their lungs in their car? You know? Or maybe when was the last time somebody actually drove their car without listening to anything at all? And maybe, yes, maybe you might hear your, your mufflers dragging on the ground, but you never noticed that beforehand because you were listening to music, you were so stressed. But that wouldn't have clarity. So I'm going to go to the Yerkes Dotson Law that was described in 1908. Uh, two physicians discovered a relationship so uh, stressed uh, between arousal, aka stress, not the other kind of arousal, and performance. So when, at the end of the day, when it starts, it's a parabolic curve. So essentially, a person could be either having low stress and not able to perform at all because they're not stressed enough to perform. Or on the flip side, as we go up over the McDonald's arch, as I call it, uh, we get to high points where you're super high stressed out and you're completely burnt out. Optimally, somebody's in this early part of the phase where actually you're still going to be productive. When you're productive, you know you're in that flow, right? You ever do something and you're doing something and also you realize that two hours went by and you go, oh my gosh, I forgot to eat, but I was really productive. And some of us, maybe that's happened a long time ago, but a lot of us can do that all the time. And we like to say that you're in the zone. We want people to be in the zone all the time. And the last thing that was done in the 1960s, another physician uh, recognized this constant flow where we have our particular skills that we want to harness in a challenge, that we rise in the middle, and we have this flow, you're in the zone, and when you're there, you're fully absorbed, you're fully immersed, and you're productive. And that's your brain working at its maximal capacity, and it's like, you, you, you get it. Everybody, anybody ever see the movie, The Matrix, and the time when Neo realizes that he's the one, and all of a sudden, everything changes? We, we've all been there in that time when we have that moment of, clarity and function and productivity, but we just don't get there enough. On the flip side, you can have anxiety or boredom that come in as well too, but you want an optimal channel of flow, and that was described in the 1960s. So the part of the brain, as we talked about earlier, we talked about the main part of the brain, your prefrontal cortex, think about the front of your head, that executive functioning. When you're stressed, are you thinking, clear? are you thinking clearly? No. Are you a little more testy? Absolutely. Uh, do you feel like you're learning things or being present in that moment? Because you can be present without being present. And I think about that for a second. You can be present without being present. I'll give you an example. We just had Thanksgiving. Who else is running around their kitchen trying to do a million things while still trying to engage with your family members? You're present, but you're not necessarily present. And present is when you're present, you're able to see so many more things clearly. I mean, I love having those deep conversations with my in-laws, and yes, they are raging Packers fans. And, uh, and uh, my, my wife's gonna watch this video, she's gonna go, what? Uh, they are raging Packers fans, but it's okay. I can still wear my Chicago Bears gear and be present and have a dialogue. Unfortunately, our Bears have not beaten the Packers and God knows the win, so I'm gonna lose the conversation every time. And actually, speaking of the Bears, real quickly, I'm so glad that everybody's here tonight because you're gonna learn, you're learning way more than what the Bears do today. Because you can't apply anything that the Bears are gonna do today to your daily life. That's absolutely true. All right. So we talked about a couple parts of the brain. Your hippocampus uh, modulates basically what we call the limbic system, and also certainly your learning and memory. But these issues, self-awareness, perception, cognitive function, all these parts of the brain, basically what I'm trying to say is that when we're stressed, these parts are not working. We want to make
make sure that we're able to get, you, get these parts of the brain working at all times. Dr. Like take this one. Yeah, so I just want to go back for a little bit. I'm not going to go through those charts, but I just want you to think about where we are today. Those charts were done a long time ago, 1960, 1930, what was the other year? 1908. A long time ago. And you think about our lives today, everybody, kids especially, it's like glue. It's tethered to them, right? So technic, like this. They, they have anxiety when they, oh, where's my phone? Where's my phone, right? And so the stress that they're under is 24-7 because they're not sleeping. Their brain's not rejuvenating, right? They're eating. Some people are eating well, but when you're under that stress, you're not digesting properly, right? So you're trying to take a lot of vitamins and supplements, which aren't getting through because your GI tract's not healthy. And it's just that constant stress is just at you all the time. And so... What we talked about, what Doc's talked about is a starfish, is you've got to, so that exercise we did in the first thing, breathing, that just flipped that switch. From the stress mode, to telling your body that I am safe, I can take a deep breath, because when you're not breathing deeply, and you're under stress, your breathing is like this. Shallow breathing from the chest. When you feel like you are just under the gun, you have the power to change physiology rules. And we have the ability, our mind power, to change physiology in a heartbeat. Because our brain will change the physiology. If someone comes through that door, it's going to change it that fast. We have the same ability to do that. So, well, hang on, I'm going to pick up, pick up on, has anybody in the room heard of a guy named Dr. Dean Ornish? Dr. Serena, you cannot raise your hand, neither can you, this is Serena, because I know you guys know him. Uh, but anybody ever heard of Dean Ornish? Dean Ornish is considered kind of the godfather of lifestyle medicine in this country, one of the foremost experts on really what can we do to face the burdens and hopefully reverse, I mean, he's not hopefully, he's reversed the burdens of chronic disease. And he says four things. Number one, he says, we choose who to, who to love, we choose what we can eat, we choose when we want to exercise, we can choose who we want to be with. We can choose everything. So we're thinking about nutrition. You think about exercise. You think about love and support. You think about stress and resilience. These are things that everybody has a choice on. And so the great thing is that you still have the decision to make those opportunities yours and living your truth. So I'm not going to spend a lot of time, but I want you to understand that we talked about the initial brain and the spinal cord. This is this energy system. Like a comment system bringing the power to the house, coming to the grid box in the basement, and then distributing that power to the entire house. What affects the performance of our brain? So the first thing here we have, physical stress and trauma, concussions, getting your head banged on, playing sports, uh, falls, bumps, these are physical traumas. Whether you remember them or not, that's the problem, because when you have trauma, your memory of that trauma is stored in the amygdala, which is a couple slides ago. That's where all your trauma, all your emotional stuff is stored. It's like a closet locked up, where everything happens to you is in there. So you may not remember, the conscious brain may not remember, but it's there. 
And the funny thing is, we'll take an x-ray. Have you ever had any trauma? Oh, no. And you're 60 years old, no trauma? Oh, no, no, never, never. Okay. So I take x-rays. And you look at their x-rays, you're like, dude, this is like 30 years old. You, you had three different injuries in your neck. Oh, I guess that was when I fell down the stairs. Or, I mean, it all comes back to them eventually. But sometimes it doesn't. So, physical stress, right? Emotional stress. Your brain doesn't care what kind of stress it is. So, we, he just talked, Dr. G just talked about the stress in our life. And when you then that flips, when that switch flips, it doesn't matter how it flips, it's the same switch. So it can be a physical stress, it can be a emotional stress. We, we're having a holidays. It's not always holiday for a lot of families. The minute you know your brother-in-law's coming over or your sister, whatever that is, right? There's stress in the holidays for some families. But it starts as a kid. So Emotional stress, physical stress, mental stress, verbal abuse. You're hearing this now in sports coming out, where coaches are abusing kids. NHL's they just a couple, couple things. I'm a hockey fan. I didn't know the Bears are playing tonight, so. Uh, <laughs> nor, nor did anybody else. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> so, I'll Bears to the Bears. So, uh, anyways, so that's a big thing in sports today. But it's these kids. Everything that happens to a kid, it's in their brain. It affects their brain. And it affects their, so it's emotional stress. Verbal, mental abuse, even sexual abuse. Then we have chemical stress. Air we breathe to the foods we eat to the gut. And our gut and our brain are the same tissue. So when we eat foods that are inflammatory, you think, oh, I'm going to have, I'll give you a prime example of this. We had a couple in our clinic. We did a food sensitivity test with them. She was a Whole Foods guru. She shopped at Whole Foods all the time. She was giving her husband coconut water, coconut oil, and coconut this, and watermelon, and all this great food, right? And we did a food sensitivity test because we couldn't figure out what was going on with his GI system, right? Comes back, coconut, watermelon, <laughs> and I think the third one was like pineapple or something. And she looks at him and she's like, I'm killing them every day. <laughs> yeah. Because that inflammation goes from the mouth to our gut, into our bloodstream, affects the liver, and goes to our brain. And our brain doesn't know if it's coming from the food, the emotion, the trauma. It doesn't know where it's coming from. It just starts filling the tank up. Do you, you understand that? Your brain doesn't care where it's coming from. So... All right, so we talked about this, about how that stress, how that, how the vertebrae stress, and people think about whiplash. Oh, I, it was probably one of those common things. Oh, it's just a little fender bender. Uh, how many years ago? It's probably like 10 years ago, I was involved in whiplash research, where they actually crashed cars with people in them. Now, they got paid a lot of money for this, <laughs> but they crashed cars with people in them. And they had a wall about as long as that wall. Yeah. I, 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 I was like, they're crashing cars that people live. Why not just use a crash test dummy? Yeah, because that's for that. That's okay. Yeah. Fair okay. Yeah. This is seven miles an hour. So you don't think seven miles an hour is not very fast. But there's no damage to the car at seven miles an hour. But we have a wall that's about that big 
of grid board, nine high-speed cameras capturing what's happening to the cars. At four miles an hour, the car bumps the car in front. At four miles an hour, the car moves one foot. So that's like, oh, better, better, no big deal, right? Five miles an hour, how far do you think that car goes now? One more mile an hour, how much further do you think that car goes? Two feet? Ten. Ten. It's ten. Ding, 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 you win. So it's ten feet. One mile an hour more, and it's ten foot difference. At seven miles an hour, a Gatorade bottle on the dashboard is in the back seat. And there's still no damage done to the car. <coughs> You have a bowling ball on top of a spring. That's how stuff happens. So when that happens, oh, there's no trauma, because I felt no pain. It's under the radar. Your brain has already recorded it. It's already affected your brain. It's already affected your nervous system. You can't figure out why three years later why you're having indigestion issues or whatever the situation may be, right? So, all right, so this is, you can't really see that, but we, we'll take x-rays and we'll, we measure it up, and, but we're not gonna talk about that. So, um, this is our food sensitivity. I just, we just talked about that as well. So this is a pretty cool test. It's a finger stick, and uh, just because you're eating healthy doesn't mean it's healthy for you, right? So, who's responsible for your health? You are. You are. It's not your wife, it's not your spouse, it's not the insurance company, it's you, right? You are responsible, right? If you want to buy, like God said, you choose what kind of food you want to eat, right? You choose what if you want to take supplements or not. I have uh, taste, what's that? As you choose when you want to exercise, yeah. you choose when you want to sleep. And so, we, we have all these choices and yet, if we're trying to make good choices, it doesn't mean that it's good for our body. Sure, from the outside, oh, it's organic. Well, even organic isn't really organic sometimes because it's marketing and all the other stuff. Now, I have patients that live off their own grid. That's organic. I mean, it's crazy what they do. When they bring food in, I don't even wipe it off because their dirt's organic. It's pretty cool. So... Uh, so, when you cover some of this, I need a break, I'm tired. <laughs> you, you need your brain mapped. Well, your brain's already been mapped. We'll get to that. All right, so, uh, what I want to talk about here is, as we're going to get into what hopefully dragged everybody in, but I wanted to lay that on the foundation, and Doc helped out a lot today on why we're here. Let's get right to the point. Uh, but you have to understand what we're dealing with in order to talk about what kind of action steps we're going to take. And again, for we want to have action, versus continued inaction. So when I think about boosting brain performance as a primary care physician, I think of it in very simple terms. Um, move more, eat better, stress less, and sleep. Let's talk about it a little bit. So nutrition in the brain. There's no doubt that when it comes down to nutrition, I'm gonna show you a couple of things on what a kind of a general healthy eating plan is. That's your foundation for everything, your fuel. But keep it simple, we know that the data doesn't lie. Eating a predominantly whole food, plant-based diet is what was where it's at. There's no, that's irrefutable evidence. That's going to allow you to do the things that you want to do. Nourishing the body, nutrient density as well too. When you look at, has anybody ever heard of something called the blue zones? 
right, the blue zones. What is it? What is it really? I'll tell you real quick. The blue zones. It's five locations on Earth where people live the longest. Not only do they live the longest, they have the most vitality. Not only do they have the most vitality, they have the least amount of chronic disease burden. And last of all, they have the highest sense of purpose in their life. Five places that were originally described by Dan Buechner. Neighborville? Neighborville's on the list, no. Neighborville's going to be on the stress part of the curve. So the five places described by Dan Buechner back in 2005, we've got Okinawa, Japan. Love it. We have Ikaria in Greece. We have um, the Nicoya Peninsula in Costa Rica. Love it. Love it. We have um, the Sardinia region in Italy. And then last but not least, the U.S. did make the list. And everybody says, what? How does the U.S. make the list? We don't eat well. We don't exercise. We're stressed out like crazy. And we certainly have a pervasive sleep-deprived society. How do we make the list? Loma Linda, California. They have, outside of San Diego, they have the highest concentration of Seventh-day Adventists. And when they look at all these five locations, Costa Rica, USA, Japan, Italy, Greece, they look at these five locations. People live into their 90s and beyond. Some of the places have the highest number of centenarians worldwide. But when they look at them, five locations that didn't talk to anybody, what do they share in common? They share, they do a predominantly whole food, plant-based diet. I tell my patients follow 80-20 rule, but ideally what they're doing is a 95-5. 95% whole food, plant-based. 5%. The amount of flesh that they eat per month is the size of their fist. And when I say flesh, that includes fish. They have a sense of purpose. They have amazing ability to deal with stress. And they have a sense of community. And so what Dan Buechner did uh, after, he, after they did the original Blue Zones, he went out and launched something called the Blue Zones America. And so the Blue Zones America, you can check them out on www.bluezones.org, um, Blue Zones America Project, at least went back in May, they were in 43 cities in the USA. And they said, can we take these things that they're doing in these five locations of the world and apply them at the local level in your municipality. And what they're finding out as these projects are still going on, at least back in May, they were making the first foray into the state of Texas. They were getting to Dallas-Fort Worth, and that's a meat-eating capital of the USA. There's no doubt there's a lot of cattle down there. And how do you think about going to change a whole bunch of meat eaters to start saying eat more whole food plant-based? But what they're finding is that when you implement what they've done, what the Blue Zone people have done, people are living longer, they're feeling healthier, they're enjoying their families, they're reducing the costs of medical care. And at the end of the day, yes, we are all fighting the game against the mother nature, the aging game, and the aging out. But they have that purpose, as I talked about in the beginning, having this journey. And so nutrition, I got a little bit off topic, but nutrition sets the foundation for everything. When we have nutrition, we have our six essential nutrients. We have non-caloric nutrients, that's water, vitamins, and minerals. And then of course your caloric nutrients carbohydrates, proteins, and fats. And it's really the carbohydrate caloric nutrients that supply the energy. But your non-caloric nutrients give you, they allow to participate in energy producing reactions. So here it is, in a nutshell. What do you want to do? Everybody keeps asking me all the time in my office, what do I need to do, Dr. G, to eat a healthy, balanced diet? This is very broad, but it's kind of focused at the same time. Number one, consume a variety of foods. And I say that's the color of the rainbow with every meal, including your snacks. Eat the color of the rainbow. Lots of vitamin nutrients. Number two, fill at least half your plate with vegetables and fruits in the rainbow colors that I said a second ago at every meal and even at snacks. Number three, consume more beans, peas, and lentils. Absolutely. 
more important, who to portion control the amount of nuts and seeds each day, that's usually a handful. And by the way, when we think about portions, even 20 years ago, what we were served, remember like in the restaurants, you know, you had decent kind of portions back then. Now these portions are just massive. You got enough food. I mean, I was at the, I went to that restaurant Perry's, and uh, I got a, uh, there at the Perry's, and I went there with a, with a dermatologist one time. We had dinner, and uh, he, I, I got the fish, and I want to talk about fish in a second, but uh, they have like a 32 ounce pork chop there, and that thing came out. This Perry's in Oakbrook, and that thing came out, and I said, whoa. Man, that's enough for like today, tomorrow, and the rest of the week, and feeding your family at the same time. <laughs> and did that particular doctor consume most of it or all of it? I can't tell that story. But yeah, uh, but no, he took it home. That's a lot of food. Yeah. So um, next thing, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, so this is a little different than my list because I just tell patients pizza and beer. So I got a so I got I got I tell I, I was wearing a pair of socks the other day in, the, in my in my office, and it actually was gifted to me by a patient. And it was actually a burger and beer socks. And so everybody says, Dr. Chi, you know, you always talk about whole food plant-based. Why are you wearing hamburger socks? And I go, that's a black bean burger, black bean and quinoa. You know, that's what it is. It's not the beef, it's black bean and quinoa. The beer is still the beer. Or you can say that's like apple juice or something like that. All right, number, number five on this list. Drink plenty of water to stay hydrated. Ideally, you're doing about, you know, again, under the discretion of your doctor, but ideally you're doing about half your body weight Wait, don't go anywhere. So, that's probably the number one thing we see is dehydration in patients. Oh, I drink water. Yeah, I, yeah, I have water. Yeah, I have uh, like a cup a day. It's my parents. My, my dad's 87, my mom's 83. And uh, if they have that much water a day, they're like, oh, that's, oh, that's too much water for us. Too much water. And most people, you know, like half your weight, and you think, well, you have to drink 100 ounces. Oh, I'll be peeing all day long. Yeah. Right? But homeostasis, your body will get used to that amount of water. Eventually, you won't pee all day long. Yeah. Yeah, you're going to use that water. And then when you're down to 90 ounces, you're actually going to feel thirsty. So anyway, that's probably enough. Dr. Strand, would you agree with that? I don't know you see it in the, the brain. The brain is mostly water. Thank you, Dr. Strand. Yeah. water. All right, now next one here. Reduce or work to eliminate red meat, poultry, and eggs. Uh, and of course, the food industry does not like when I say a statement like that. A um, couple good um, documentaries that are out there uh, on Netflix. Everybody's at Netflix. Everybody's at Netflix. Everybody's Disney Plus. Uh, the Game Changers came out in 2018, produced by uh, James Cameron. Great movie. Profiles the best athletes on the planet that are plant-based, whole food plant-based. Amazing. And has anybody ever heard of some guy named Tom Brady? You might have heard of that guy. You know, he only has six Super Bowl rings. You think he's eating meat all day? Not at all. He's one of the cleanest eating athletes there are. He's actually like 99 or basically 100% whole food plant-based. And you can't say that the guy's not a bad athlete. He's winning Super Bowls. Um, oh, yeah, so, so yeah, the movie's called The Game Changers by James Cameron. And then another movie that came out the year before, 2017, is called What the Health. Almost kind of like, what the heck, but what the health. Those are two great documentaries that profile the benefits of whole food, plant-based eating. I recommend it to my patients all the time. Now again, at the end of the day, your decisions are personal decisions. But I want everybody, if we're talking about living your best life, we want to make sure that you're fueling your body with the right nutrients that are there. 
So I'm, I'll tell you one thing, going to the Game Changers. There's one scene in the Game Changers, I'm not gonna root, I don't want to root for everybody, the whole movie, I think you should see it. But there's a scene in the Game Changers where they take three college athletes. And with the three college athletes, what they do is they give them, a, they give them an animal-based meal before dinner, and then, they, and then with the courtesy of a urologist, they measure the number of erections that night. These are college kids. This is like, this is like, this is what you should be doing. Like, this is college. So the college kids eat the, they eat the animal-based meal. They measure the number of erections that following night. The next day, they give them a plant-based meal before they go to sleep. They measure the number of nocturnal erections the subsequent night. Day three, they sit down with the urologist. They're all sitting there, and they say, all right, open up your folder. We have the results. And so they open up the animal base the first night. They look at him, and they're like, hey, all right, I got it. I had some erections, great. And then, of course, you know where this is going. They open up the second folder, and all of a sudden the guys go, what? What? Oh my gosh. That's what a plant-based meal does. So, so college kids out there eat plants, without a doubt. If consuming fish limited to twice a week due to mercury contamination, Avoid trans fats, limit highly processed and packaged foods which tend to be high in sodium, limit added processed oils. Great slide that's out there, um, and I'm trying to think who, who did it, who produced it, but there's a, a slide of a segment of a, a cross section of a stomach, and it'll say, what does 500 calories look like? 500 calories of oil. You know how much of, you know, you know of your stomach 500 calories of oil fills up? It fills up just a tiny portion. Contrast that to 500 calories of Vegetables, oh man, your stomach is completely full. You'll be full for hours on end. And obviously, zero cholesterol. All right. Don't rely on supplements as a substitute for real food. Eat the food. I tell you, eat the stuff that grows out of the ground. Never overlook the calories and liquids. The average adult in this country, 20% of their daily caloric intake is liquids. And so you think about it, I'm like, okay, I went to Starbucks this morning, got me a venti, you know, frappuccino. There's your 20% right there. That's a thousand calories, probably. Oh, oh. Fair enough. I have no idea how many calories yeah, that's, that's a lot. Or look at this way, a can of Coca-Cola, 150 calories. When some people say, oh, doc, I only do one can of Coke a day. Now remember, in medical stuff, and Dr. Saran can corroborate with this, when somebody says they do something once a day, you multiply by three. Yeah. And so one can of Coke is actually three, maybe sometimes even more, Dr. Saran had said. Yeah, fine. So, but 150 calories. And they say I do it once a day. And then say, all right, so it's 30 days a month, and you've already had over 4,000 calories. And then you say now times 12 months. And then you look at what happens to somebody's body weight. You look at sometimes the way of stress in the body as well, too. Uh, and then last but not least, never drink alcohol in excess. If somebody doesn't drink, again, it's a personal choice. But if somebody doesn't drink, we can say, don't start. All right. Exercise is medicine. It develops new brain cells. We're talking about, again, how do you boost your brain? We just did nutrition. Exercise, do it all the time. It recruits new cells in the brain. We call it neuroplasticity. Oxygen, allowing for the elimination of toxins in the brain. Do it as often as you can. Yes, the, I guess the American Heart Association recommends 150 minutes per week of physical activity. Physical activity defined as what you what will get you a little bit of a sweat, a moderate activity level. Now, you say somebody 100 minutes times a week. That's what I'm going to say. All right. So here we are at a gym, right? So there's sections. There's going to be free weight section and there's going to be machine sections, right? 
So who goes to a gym that has like separated sections like that? Okay. So most people come in, oh, it's Monday, Wednesday, Friday, today it's chest and back, it's arms and shoulder, whatever it is, right? And they start, oh, I start in this machine first, and I go to this machine next, and your brain is completely asleep during this whole process. Why not just come in Monday and say, I'm going to start over here and work my way over there, and then come over here. At the end of the day, you're going to check them all off. But now even that little bit changes the neuroplasticity in your brain. So little tiny changes like that are confusion to your brain, and that's what we want to do. The World Health Organization recently came out. We have a, we're mired in, in a dementia epidemic, and the rates of dementia are only going to triple in the next 30 years. And there's no clear end in sight. Barring some medical breakthrough, a magical unicorn will say, that's the only way that we're going to deal with dementia. But what did the World Health Organization say earlier this year? They said, what is good for your heart is good for your brain. We're talking about things like this, cognitive function, enhancing alertness, reducing levels of stress. What is good for your heart is good for your brain. Going back to the food, what is good for your heart is good for your brain. And that's the recommendation now. That's the only thing we can do to fight Alzheimer's. And now this is not Alzheimer's talk, but it's related to your brain. All right, sleep foundation. I said earlier, we'll just go this really quickly. The goal at the end of the day, sleep seven to nine hours. And I did a show on this recently on my podcast here with Dr. G. And you're doing a good friend of mine, Dr. Juan Flores. Uh, you guys can check out that podcast on my website. Dr. Flores, one of the best sleep experts around in the Naperville area, it's about quantity of sleep, not quality. It's quantity. Everything's pointing towards a numeric value. Again, seven to nine hours to allow for proper restoration. And then last but not least, meditation. We did our mindful minute. Interesting study that was done uh, in Harvard in 2005 that actually the practice of meditation can slow shrinkage of the brain that commonly occurs with aging. So again, taking those few moments a day for you can pay big dividends down the road. Okay, so we're gonna cover this quickly here. Um, but I just wanna uh, share something. So today is December the 5th. December 7th last year, uh, Dr. Corey's at the back there. Uh, uh, we were at a conference in Denver and we're studying science of human behavior. And uh, so they had all this equipment out there, and it was on advancements in neurofeedback. So long story short, I got my brain mapped. And we're going to talk about that in a second. And so I take, I invest a lot in myself, a lot of money in my health. I do lots of different things. And my grandfather had Alzheimer's. He passed with that. So I'm thinking, oh, my brain is going to be like, <clears throat> like Rocky, right? So she does my brain map, and she looks at me, and uh, she says, how much trauma have you had? Because I said, you can see trauma on the brain map. And I said, well, I had a concussion playing hockey. I can still see the guy coming at me. Two car crashes. One got hit at 60 from behind. Another in Naperville here from a lady on the phone. And then all the other crap that happens when you're a kid. She said, well, how old are you? At the time I was last year. I just turned 57, so I was 56. <laughs> and she says, oh, your brain's a lot older than you are. Mm. I'm telling you, I could have slithered under the door. I was devastated. Because I was freaked out. Like, like 
well, I used a different language, but <laughs> different F. Different F. <laughs> what do I do now? Because now I'm now I know, right? So she says, Well, I can help you. That's why we're here. And she says, once I balance your brain, she's so funny, she's a little girl, little lady. She says, once I balance your brain, she points at my chest with this. She says, I'll make you smart enough that you're stupid now. <laughs> and that changed my life. This is a game changer. And I used to take three to four naps a week during the day because I had major brain fog. I don't know who else has that, but I had major brain fog. I had a lot of energy, physical energy, and Dr. DeCorey will attest to this, but by the end of the day, like, don't ask me a question. Like, lights on, there's no one in there. You know that look, right? And that, so what they're seeing now, you talk about dementia, it's 30 years down the road is dementia. That's what they're seeing. Little symptoms. Oh, I can't remember the phone number. I can't remember where I put my keys. I can't remember where I parked the car. I can't remember where I do this. I can't remember. Those are all little signs that our brain is aging faster than we are because of the stress we're causing to the brain. Do you understand that? So what did the doctor recommend? So we did some neurofeedback for my brain. So it's way better. <laughs> I've had three naps in a year. I'm more organized than I ever have been in my life. And today is 116 days in a row of exercise. Like, that never happened before. And it's only because it's a little habit, ritual, that creates a lifestyle. We want a lifestyle change. We don't want to do a binge and go on an eating and lose 50 pounds and then we're back to where we were before and put it all back on again. That's not a lifestyle. You want a lifestyle if you want to be productive, you want to have a better day, you want to play with your grandkids, you want to go up and down the stairs, you want to travel, be on vacation. The golden years aren't the golden years. Have you noticed that? Right? For some people, they suck. Because we see them in our office. And they can't do what they want to do. So this is, you can't really see this, but this is like swimmer's cap. So that's me, that's Dr. Corey, Dr. Angelica, Dr. G, getting our brains map. And basically, it's a swimmer scale. We basically just read electrical energy that's coming out of the brain. This technology's been around for over 30 years. And so what it does, is kind of like all these light bulbs in here, if that's our brain, and all we're doing is measuring how, light, how much power is coming out of each light bulb. It's pretty simple when you look at it, but there's lots of science behind it. So if some lights are too bright, some are too low, some are on one side of the room versus the other side of the room, right? that's what causes our symptoms. We are an expression of our brain. If you're cranky, your brain is telling your body to be cranky. If you're anxious because your brain is anxious, right? you're just an expression of your brain. So this is what we do. So different things that we can look at different symptoms from, and insomnia, again, insomnia is probably one of the biggest things that we deal with, because people just don't sleep, and if they do, they fake sleep, right? They crash in the middle of the day, they wake up, they're never refreshed. We've had teenagers tell me, oh, they sleep 10 hours a day, are you refreshed when you get up? Oh, hell no. If you have teenagers, you know what I'm talking about. They sleep till 12 o'clock, and they, they still get up and they're tired. 
How was that? So, different conditions from panic attacks, autism, OCD, and depression, and anxiety, and ADHD, and memory, memories of anything. Oh, we, could, we could talk a long time about this, but we're not going to. So, and basically what we did is like a map with colors on it, tells us where the power imbalance is in our brain. And so, what happens is that we get an analysis of how your brain is working. And the funny thing is, we, we, when we do the testing, you'll tell me one thing, and I look at your map, it's like, uh, you want to change your story? Because <laughs> I'm seeing something different over here. And then it's like, oh, yeah. People have migraines. Fibromyalgia is because it's brain-related. It's too much energy. The brain's out of control. And the brain does no different than, or, than orthopedic conditions. We have different stages of, our, of arthritis. Maybe someone's got stage one arthritis and stage four is going to be a knee replacement. You, you see that progression. The brain has the same stages of oxidative stress. And we can look at your map, look at the chart. Oh, you're stage four out of stage eight. You're stage seven out of stage eight. So by conditioning it, Who's learned how to ride a bike in here? Probably, I would think everybody, right? To some degree, right? And even if it was 40 years ago that you've ridden the bike, you still know how to ride the bike? That's neurofeedback. It's operant condition. They're permanent changing. That's how we train the brain. So we train the brain to rebalance itself for permanent changes so that we can balance out the energy. Some people, we take a look at their maps, and it's like all the lights in the house are on at the same time, and there's nobody home. <laughs> You're sucking all the energy out of your body. And some people are like, is there anybody home? <laughs> there's not enough power. They're at metabolic stress. Their foot's on the gas pedal the entire time. So, and so when we look at it, we see different patterns from learning disorders, from ADHD, to depression, to anxiety. So brain uh, app is pretty easy. We, we look at a computer, watch, you mentioned Netflix, we watch Netflix movies. Uh, we do alpha theta training, uh, which is put you in a meditative state, which is absolutely the cat's meow for neurofeedback training. And uh, so that, I don't know if you can see this picture, but this is a young girl doing homework, uh, playing violin with a, a home unit. And then the software system actually measures changes. And so when we look at this, some of the success rates we have, depression 90%, ADHD 90%, uh, OCD 50%. That's going to bother those people. <laughs> so anxiety 75%, memory 80%. These are permanent changes. How big is nutrition in this? How much energy do you feel after Thanksgiving dinner? How much energy do you have? Zero. Zero. You were on the couch? Diabetic coma happening, right? You have zero energy, right? That wasn't a plant-based, well, maybe the turkey was plant-based, I don't know, but uh, yeah, so I, I think so. So, yeah, so we look at where the energy comes from and what's sucking our energy, and it's food, right? So, Josh talking about all the ways that you can help your food intake. So, 
Uh, all right. So you're I think uh, I'll, I'll make one comment about this. Yeah. I think it's pretty powerful that you know. The, let me take a step back. The concept of biofeedback. Anybody ever heard of biofeedback? The idea of hooking your body up to electrodes to receive information. That's the feedback about your body. Bio biofeedback. Same thing with neuro neurofeedback or technically neurobiofeedback. Same thing. Hooking up somebody to electrodes. Information, feedback about your brain, neuro. And I've gone through and had my brain map, and I think this has been a phenomenal thing. And really, you know, we talk about, oh, you think it was like, it's all I never really had trauma until you get your map and go, oh my gosh, I do. But I think of it this way isn't it such an awesome thing that you can learn about your body? But again, when you think about your brain, you have to remember that, again, we're here now, in a, as I said earlier, we're here having a conversation, but the reality is there's so many processes that are happening right now. That we have no conscious awareness of. And the fact that you can actually train your brain while doing something that you love to do, watching Netflix, if that's the case, playing the violin, but your brain is receiving all this other kind of stimuli, you just don't know it. But it'll manifest itself later on when you're talking about your relationships or your energy or how you feel. Yep. And I've been there, done that. You certainly have been there, done that. Uh, and we have a lot of people that have done it that are here today that can testify on really the power of it. So we're talking about this our lifestyle. We're talking about at the beginning. We want you to live your best life every day. We want you to use your brain every day. We want you to have amazing purpose and continue purpose as you develop what you want to get to in your life. So call it action, wrap it up. That was the call it action. I said it to my patients all the time. When you give them, when you see your patients in your practice, you want to give them a diagnosis, of course, you want to give them a treatment plan, but most importantly, a follow-up. And we don't want to have this moment of inaction just stay there. We want action. So number one, see your primary care physician once a year. I always like to throw that in there. If you haven't seen your primary care physician in, in more than a year, make sure you see your doc. Your doc will be there to rescue you from anything. If you need a new doc, find me afterwards. <laughs> Let me know. Uh, I love them as well, too. Number two, each day is an opportunity to be intentional in your daily efforts. Set the tone the right way. Start off with that mindful minute or starfish in the morning. That might be the only time you have that is your time. Because once you go to work, you're on somebody else's time, somebody else's dollar. Once the kids are awake, you're on somebody else's time. There's no doubt about that. You're dressed. But find that moment. Even if it's one minute, you owe that to yourself. Invest in yourself and make health a priority. When we're talking about life, what's important? Your health is part of your life journey. But again, what's the most important thing we have going on in your life? Get your brain mapped. I think it's been amazing to have my brain mapped and understand a little bit more about me. Am I still a work in progress? Absolutely. We are all works in progress. Yeah. We're only human. You know, but I think if we if you surround yourself with the right team of people, they're gonna help you get to your health and life goals. The more success you have with your health, the more likely you have success in your life. If you see someone Wait, stop for a second, yeah, please. Think about that. Think about that statement right there. The more success you have with your health the more likely you are to have success in your life. If your life, if your health is in the toilet, what's your life like? When, someone's in the, when someone loses their independence in their family, who does that affect in the family? Everybody. Everyone's involved in the family situation, right? So you have to take responsibility for your health. If you see someone struggling with their health, offer them kind and compassionate encouragement. Again, I truly believe it takes a village. When we look at the blue zones, they have this sense of community. Help out that next person. 
and paying it forward and asking nothing in return. It's gratitude. And lastly, we are not judged by what we do in life, but rather we are judged by the lasting impact our actions have on others. And again, I said at the beginning, an important thing for a lot of people is legacy. And that's it right there. So, I want to just thank you, everybody, for coming out today. Doc, of course. Yeah, 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 we have a couple things. So, we have, uh, we oh, have yeah, some guests. Yeah, so we have some guest passes to the gym. Goodies. If you don't have a membership to the gym. Nina Brick to the fitness office. Oh. Nina to the fitness office. Nina, are you here? Thank you. Is Nina? <laughs> Is Nina the <laughs> So, we have some passes to the gym. If you're not a member, you can come and uh, check out the gym. We have a couple of my business cards and a little brochure on neurofeedback if you if you want to take a look at that. Yes, and thank you everybody for coming. I want to thank Healthy Driven Edward Elmers. Cindy, thank you thank for you, Cindy. allowing us to use our facility. And um, of course, Doc. Most importantly, I want to thank everybody that came out tonight because I truly believe that everybody in this room is exceptional. You could have watched the Bears game right now. I know it's still going on, but again, as I said earlier, you're not going to get any value out of that. You're only going to get frustration. <laughs> that's okay. It's true. You're only going to get it. Yeah, it is. But you're here today. You came here for a reason, to make an investment in yourself. And I don't want this opportunity to run on deaf ears, to fall on deaf ears. I want you to take advantage of this. Ask yourself what you can do. One thing that you can do differently, and do it. And that's how you know you're going to have a whole cascade of awesome things that are going to happen to you. What I want to do right now, some of that's our information. Any questions, I want to take a few moments, because we've been talking the whole time. You guys have been very patient listening. But we'll take some questions that anybody has. Uh, otherwise, yep. you guys are free to go. Yep. And thank you very much. Yes, question. Who does the brain mapping? That's the question? Yeah, we, we do it right away. Doc does the brain mapping. <laughs>